And welcome back to the Sheldon McLeod Show. Here it is Monday, December 18th, and Alex Cook is our producer. As I was reading the introduction, during more than 50 years in journalism, politics, and public relations, Robert McBain built up a vast deposit of knowledge, experience, and perspective. And a name jumped to mind. I see here he was a news director at... 1050 chum and for for some reason i'm thinking about dick smythe here this afternoon uh our guest has spent many years as a reporter as mentioned uh researching discussing and he's mining that now for his books and uh he came to my attention he'd sent a letter to the mayor of halifax along with counselors uh and it reads in part i note from media reports you're considering establishing a gord downey cheney wenjack legacy room at city hall and as you'll know from my website i'm a former senior reporter with the Toronto Star, Global Mail, and News Director of Canada's second largest station, many years' experience, and he has some concerns over the Cheney Wenjack Fund. Uh, drawing from his years of experience and welcoming him to our broadcast this afternoon, Mr. McBain, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me on, Sheldon. The um, you you pointed me to an article in Chatelaine, and it's, it's about Can- Candy Palmiter, who's well known here on the uh, on the East Coast, uh, and she was asking the question. Gord Downey, who had, was being celebrated for championing Indigenous rights. In fact, I pointed out uh, pretty much uh, Gord Downey called out the prime minister of this country in the very last broadcast of the, that concert that the Tragically Hip did in Kingston. And she asks, now that he's gone, do people still care? Do you think people still care about this issue of Indigenous rights, First Nations rights in this country, and Cheney Wenjack in, in particular? I do think the Canadian public cares very much, but I do think it's altogether wrong to suggest this is a newfound concern, because I can go back to the 1960s when the Toronto Star was writing series of articles about poverty on the reserves and what have you, and where the churches were out doing whatever they could to advance the cause of Indigenous people to improve their lives. So to say this is something that we all of a sudden, when Gord Downey arrived on the scene, discovered is just not true. But his his platform, the spotlight that he put on this issue, it certainly did draw perhaps a new generation or, or people who may not have known some of the stories, including the one about Cheney Wenjack and, and the secret path, as it's been known. Uh, but you've been trying to educate that some of what that reflects, some of that particular story or narrative hasn't been entirely accurate either. The secret path, that is now being taught in more than 40,000 classrooms across Canada is a total misrepresentation of what actually happened. And I think that young boy, with the tragic death that he had, he's entitled to his own story, and neither Gord Downey nor Joseph Boyden nor anybody else has the right to twist his story into a pretzel of misinformation. What they put out in that book, what our kids are reading, is just wrong. And there's hundreds and hundreds of real, true stories about the horrors that people experience in residential schools. That's what we should be talking about, not fiction to promote Gord Downey's solo albums. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission, its report, million pages, many of those stories very personal, and as you you allude to, they, they it destroyed many lives. It broke down many people. Uh, and Chani Wenjack's story is just one of many stories. So how do we write that wrong? I don't follow, Sheldon. You mean write the wrong about the misinformation? Yeah, how do, you, how do you correct the record on that one? Oh, I'm not sure, because Downey has become an icon, and of course, the fact that he was dying of cancer just sort of increased the, uh, 
the exposure he was getting. But as Candy Palmiter pointed out in her Chatelaine article, there are hundreds of Indigenous people who have spent their entire lives working on behalf of their people, and you never hear about them. But as she said, all of a sudden, this white guy with a rock band shows up, and he becomes a leader on Indigenous affairs. 2016, I think it was, Secret Path came out. People should take a look at, say, 2006. Was Gord Downey doing anything then? No. This is all about, and when you go to the legacy room that the council's going to spend taxpayers' money installing, it's all about Gord Downey. The graphic, big, bold headline, Gord Downey, and then small type, and Cheney Wenjek Fund, and then big type, legacy room. It's, it's the Gord Downey legacy they're celebrating. Uh, as mentioned, our guest on the program this afternoon is a long-standing, well-recognized journalist in this country, Robert McBain. He's concerned over the Cheney Wenjack Fund, saying there is more to this story about uh, Cheney Wenjack and First Nations treatment of this country than what uh, Gordani has put forward. Um, and and I'm just reading from part of that article from uh, Candy Palmiter, and and she was asked by Peter Mansbridge about this subject, and it's very much what you just described, and she said. No, she's not angry at Gord Downey for what he did. She said, what I'm angry is I live in a country where still no one listens until a white man says it. Well, okay, I'm 80 now, going on 81 in April, and there's an altogether different mindset in the media today than there was when I was a reporter in the 60s. And that's why you might recall Jonathan Kay resigned as the editor-in-chief of The Walrus, mm-hmm. and he was asked What sort of qualifications should his replacement have? And he said the person should have the strength to stand up to the increasingly self-loathing whites who are in control of the media. We're just drowning in self-loathing about things that happened 100 years ago. And it's a pretty sad situation. When you describe it in that way, uh, maybe someone could accuse me of that, in that there are times where I will help someone who perhaps has a perspective that there have been wrongs. We've had this long-standing conversation in the city about a statue that recognizes the founder of Halifax, Edward Cornwallis, the governor of the day. Uh, and there are First Nations groups who say that the statue in itself is offensive to them. The statue should come down. Uh, is that a, have you been following this story? I have been following the story, and the thing that I found a bit interesting was that while the Mi'kmaq are objecting to Cornwallis' statue, As I understand it, Cornwallis paid the same price for English settler and soldier scalps as the Mi'kmaq got from the French. So it wasn't Cornwallis who started this thing. It's it's tragic on both sides. But to talk about Cornwallis, for example, I was born in the capital of the Highlands, Inverness, Scotland, about, oh, 15 minutes by car away from Culloden. After the Battle of Culloden, Cornwallis went into the Highlands raping and pillaging, burning down the villages. Our language, Gaelic, was banned. The bagpipes were banned. The kilt was banned. And that's why a couple of years ago, when they had the referendum, 98% of the people who voted for independence couldn't speak their own native language of Gaelic. I mean, who, who do I go to for compensation in 2017 for the loss of my culture? When it is, though, a statue that is and I've said it, quite literally placing this man on a, pa- a pedestal, a statue that was erected in, 19, in the 1930s. It's not the man, 
It's just a symbol of what he stood for. Others are saying, well, you need more context. We need more backstory. Is that Absolutely. not... Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why, Sheldon, if, if we're going to go after Cornwallis, we have to also talk about what the situation was at that time. And there was a state of war between the French and the English, British from the 13 colonies. And horrible things happen on both sides. But why single out Cornwallis, who just happens to be the first governor of Halifax? Mm. Well, we need to, uh, you know, obviously uh, get back to where we started this conversation, which yes, was about the, the, the Gord Downey legacy. You, do you feel that uh, Halifax should establish this legacy room, or, or is that, that somehow, uh, you know, doing nothing to help? Well, I think it would have. There was no rush. For example, the legacy room will be there probably for another 20 years. One of the councillors, Mr. Hensby, suggested let's take a little bit of time and address Mr. McBain's concerns in the email. But I understand their Indigenous advisor said my thing wasn't worth addressing. Well, it just happens that it was Micmac Chief Morley Gugu who came up with the, rec- the legacy room idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the Indigenous advisor is not going to go against his own chief. I don't see why there was such a rush. Well, we'll be uh, very interested in seeing where the story goes, and I do thank you for your time, and we'll certainly uh, reach out to you again. Uh, we know that this Cornwallis issue is coming back to council for discussion, that there's a group that's been a- tasked with uh, reviewing the evidence and making a recommendation. Perhaps we'll get an opportunity to hear your side on that, on that discussion as well. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mike.